Hi there, and welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I am your host, Ivy Lassiter, and I am so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about parenting things, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who have been there. Today, I'm talking to Coach Chan Gailey and his wife, Lori. Chan coached for the Cowboys, Broncos, Steelers, the Dolphins, and some others, and he has even gone to several Super Bowls. I mean, that sounds pretty cool, right? But you're actually going to find out through this conversation what was the thing that mattered the most to them. And it wasn't that career. (laughs) I have heard about the Gailey's for years through my friend Lee. And after we finished this conversation, I ended the recording and immediately picked up my phone and called Lee. Right when she answered, I said, okay, I love them so much. I understand why you rave about them. I want to be their friends. I just love them. (laughs) It's true. The two of them are just great people. And I think you're going to feel the same way after listening to this. And a quick side note, we had some technical difficulties. So if it sounds a little strange, it's because of that. It's not because my editor, Jason, did a bad job. He's actually a genius and makes my poor recording skills sound great. So here's the conversation. In what ways was it wonderful for y'all to have the career that Chan had? What was it wonderful for your family? Well, we've always said that moving as much as you moved, first four or five months when you move, all you have is each other. And so it you really tight as a family every time you move for about the first four or five months, then you start getting into activities and you start getting into the little leagues or the church activities or whatever it is that you're getting involved with. But it made our family really tight for about four or five months when you moved every time. That was unique. It was great. That's good. How many times did y'all move? Like, do you have a rough count of that? Oh, with kids, I don't know. 17 total. But I don't know about how many of those are with kids and without kids. Because those are the most traumatic. It's easy when we just, when it's just she and I. It's the traumatic moves are when you have the kids and the schools and finding the right church and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was the big part. Right. Lori, would you say the same thing, that that was wonderful, or is there something else that you would add to that? That's the wonderful part. And and in saying that we bonded for those four months, our job sort of makes you insulate yourself and protect each other because it's such a visible job. So we just are a tight family as a result of all of of that. That's Um, interesting. Yeah. And then I would say what opportunities it gave us to see. We never dreamed that this job would take us places around the country, all over the country, you know, not all over, but many places in the country and to experience different ways of doing things, you know, all that kind of thing. Moving from the Bible Belt where we grew up to Colorado, where, you know, going to church is um, not always the first thing on everyone's mind. Uh, leaving the Bible Belt just it gave a broader vision, I think, to our kids, to us overall. And, you know, like I said, we never dreamed we would move about the country like we did. Yeah. Right. What would you say was challenging about it? 
the challenge is leaving somewhere, saying goodbye to people because, um, you know, they've loved on you and it's always the people. Jobs are jobs, you know, and we've been fortunate in our jobs, I would say overall, but it's leaving the people in, and, you know, oh, the tears not wanting to go, but then same thing happens again on the next stop move. You make great friends and then you hate to leave them. And then you make great friends and you hate to leave them. But I didn't make friends. You know, (laughs) she did. Uh, You know, I had the guys I work with and the job takes so many hours. Um, She was great about making friends and making sure the kids got uh, where they needed to go and doing what they needed to do. And I, and people said, what did you do for relaxation? What I worked and I went to my kids stuff and we had time together and there was no golf. There was no anything else. You know, it, it's your family. After you get home from work, it's your family. And that's, we made that a priority right off the bat. It was only going to be family. I only played golf during work time. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That about him, I loved that about him because he's been playing golf since he was like 10 years old. Let me add this to the whole equation. He's an only child that pretty much did all the things he wanted to, and he was pretty important in his family. Let me just say that. And he had a, it was the only grandchild. He had an aunt. We were extremely close to her that never married. So this guy, you know, I'm not saying he was unselfish when he had every reason to be selfish. Uh, and so immediately without saying anything, he gave up golf and put the clubs away for years until our kids were really out of the home. And, um, and then I took it up with him. So yeah. it's something we're enjoying together again, but he put that aside because his job is just was so demanding that, um, he knew, you know, I, my priority is my family. I I'm going to have to put away things that I might enjoy. And that's what having kids is all about. Well, and you kind of acknowledge like, okay, my job takes a large piece of this pie. So I don't really have room for other things because I want the other big part of the pie to be for my family. That's correct. Was it something you had to fight for in a sense? Like when you looked around in, in your career, was that a mentality that most people had or was that something you had to stand up for or fight for? You didn't have to fight for it because you did it. It, it. Like she said, things the way I think, I don't care what anybody thinks, you know? So we did that. It didn't matter what anybody else said or did, or you know, we, we did what we believed was right in God's eyes uh, with our kids. Let me interject here that we, his first job, he worked with someone who worked late, 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 well into, and we had a newborn son and actually he would not see him, but I made a point to take him over to the facility to see him in 20 minutes. He, they could, you know, whatever, hang out, wrestle a little bit, toss a ball to him because he was quite small um, for that period. And it gave him a little break away from it as well. And then, you know, take the child home and put him to bed so he could see his dad. But our next job, we went to someone who really had an impact in our lives. And Ken Hatfield Hatfield at the Air Force Academy. And he said, go home. And he had no children, but he was a strong believer. Uh And he just... 
prioritized. In fact, started had, Bible studies at his yeah. workplace. So our life changed a good bit when we met him. And then Chan took upon himself a lot of the that role model that Ken Hatfield was for him as he progressed in his career. That's that is so cool. Yeah. Ken would start staff meetings at 6 o'clock, 6.30 in the morning and then say, go home, be a daddy, be a husband after after practice where most people would stay till 12, you know, start at eight or nine o'clock in the morning and go till, you know, one o'clock in the morning. He started early and said, go home, be a daddy, be a husband. It was amazing. That job, God took us there for many a reason. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All of our jobs. Uh, Well, and then that experience probably impacted the way you led teams when you led staff and respecting those boundaries. You know what I mean? You learn something from everybody. Uh-huh. Some people you learn what not to do. Some people you learn what to do. Yes. And so you, but you learn from everybody if you'll just pay attention. Right. Absolutely. How did you navigate moving and finding community for your boys? Like, what were the things y'all did to get them acclimated to a new place? You go. Okay. I would say we pretty much, as they got became school age, we shopped schools immediately when we moved from Troy, Alabama to Denver, Colorado. And school, you know, we had kids in one not even start had started school, but anyway, and one in fourth grade, something like that. And so we shopped schools and we always move in January after January because turnover occurs. So here you have this child coming in as the new kid. And it can be trying, but we had two boys. And also there's the factor that probably administration or teacher says, we have a new boy coming, but, oh, his dad coaches for the Broncos, you know, <laughs> gives them, you know. A little bit of street cred. Yeah. Right. So I will say that was lovely. And then you find out who really loves you, you know, after that. Yes. Yeah. And then we would shop church and we didn't hesitate driving. I mean, we must have driven 25 minutes to find the right church. And I was thinking about that this morning, that that was really precious time in the car with my boys. When Wednesday nights, when we were going back for things, he, of course, was not doing that. But Wednesday nights, going back for functions, choir, RAs, GA, whatever, those things that were going on, were good times in the car that we um, shared talking and what have, even though it was a, a commute both ways. But um Pretty much we've commuted to churches everywhere we've been, not necessarily going to church with the people you go to school with. It's fine in our case. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And both our boys are believers and accepted Christ, you know, um, made that decision in Colorado. And um, so it was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I assume just because of the schedule, were there a lot of Sundays that just the three of y'all would go to church? Well, when we were in Denver, actually, uh, kickoff was two o'clock. And Dan Reeves, who was the head coach, said, well, I want you there two hours before the game. So we would go to church, go straight to the stadium. I would walk in the locker room. They would sit out and have a little lunch or something like that. and then stay for the game and we'd ride home together afterwards and we, went to and we even church. go to night church sometimes after after the game so 
it worked out. It, that worked out. That was six years of their growing up life. So that was a huge chunk. I love that. Like y'all had this rhythm like that is not typical. Win or lose too. Win or lose. You come in there. Yay. Or you come in there, you know, with your head down. But what I found out with our church family, everybody just loved us. No matter. It didn't matter what he did. You find the real people that, you know, we did in our church community everywhere we'd been. And we were so far away from family. That was our family. Yeah. 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 So how did you navigate the highs and lows of coaching? Um, that's a, that's a good one because if you get too high, when you got a family, then they, they think so important that that's what makes you happy. And if you lose and you get so low that they think that's what's the most important thing and that, you know, put you uh, as a downer or you're hurting and you can't get up or whatever. I tried to temper everything and not bring job home. They're writing about it. They're talking about it. It's talk radio, all that stuff that they can't avoid it. Even the kids at school would say something sometimes. Uh, I think the biggest thing is we tried not to let that be the determining factor did it have an impact? Our identity. Yeah, our identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we tried to make sure that they didn't feel that, uh, that realized there were more important things in the world. Yeah. My boys, I don't think they have one autograph of anything. They've had a lot of experiences. So they have a lot of memories. You know, that just has happened to be what their dad did you know and they don't look for autographs and never have and don't have any from the past and um and chan always had this saying nothing's as good as it seems and nothing's as bad as it seems it's some the truth is somewhere in between all of that so really he was so balanced and and i know he would come home and he had a drive most of the times, didn't you? 20 minutes from facility to home to kind of take a deep breath, debrief, you know, and come home to us and try to live just as normally as we could. Yeah. 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 That is so good. Wow. You talked about this like kind of protection, which was a good thing. Like y'all valued protecting each other which I think kind of plays into being in the public spotlight. Like how did y'all navigate being in the public spotlight and protecting one another? You know, I really, I didn't get a, a big time so-called big time head coaching position until the kids were gone. Yeah. So that made it a lot easier, but you know, you're the offensive coordinator, you, you coach and, uh, you just tried to be as normal as you could possibly be. I, I didn't expect to be treated differently than any other dad when I went to the little league, when I went to, you know, uh, the school play or whatever it might be. And I expected them not to treat me any differently because of my job. And some did, but you just, like Laurie said before, we just downplayed that stuff. That's not it. That's, that's no big deal. We just, I got a job that they talk about. Uh, everybody's got a tough job. 
how did y'all share your faith through your career? Well, I'm going to speak for Laurie because <laughs> she wouldn't say all this, but she got extremely involved in um, different types of things in a community. We were in Buffalo. She was involved with Buffalo Dream Center. We moved to Denver and she had, what was that little girl saying? Buffy? Yeah. She yeah. got involved with it. She was a, what, an unwed mother? Yeah. yeah, I just volunteered. And she volunteered a ton in different places all around the uh, city or county or wherever we were. And it was amazing. And obviously I get asked, I would get asked to speak time to time. So that's how I would do it. And then um, the best way you do it is by me consistently showing up and showing your kids that it's real, that, that your faith is real. That, that's the number one priority is making sure your kids know it's real. It's not just something you do. And when you grow up in the South, you go to church because you're supposed to. No, when you move to other parts of the country, you don't go to church because that's what everybody does. So I think that they realized that God is real, that Jesus is real for us. And that was the most important thing was to, In our to, home, right. to get that uh, across to them. And then you, know, you didn't act differently when you were in public. You had to ask, act the same in public as you did at church, the same as you did at home. Consistency is so important. You shared your faith by Laurie, by activity, and me by making sure we were um, consistent with everything that we did. And that's how it should be. If if, uh, that is the most important thing in your life, it should be reflected everywhere you go. Work, home, play. It's real. It should be. Yeah. I think it's interesting that your boys both accepted Jesus. Now, some of that might be developmentally in age, you know, but when y'all moved to Colorado, yeah, where they realized like, we, this is not a typical, you know, not everybody follows Jesus here. Right. Yet we do. And it matters. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Yeah. You've talked about this some, but I just want to know if you have other you know, ideas or thoughts, but with a career that was super demanding and just not normal hours, just like feels like it would be more weekend time or nights. How did you prioritize family time? Like, were you able to go to most of their games or what, what did that look like for y'all? I would go to the ones I could go to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everybody understood that the kids understood that I would go when I could go. And I didn't, I didn't go somewhere else. I didn't do anything else. Uh, if I could leave, if I could go in early so that I could get off a little early to make a game, uh, they'd see me go in at, you know, five o'clock in the morning to make sure I could get to a game at four o'clock in the afternoon if that's what it took to get there. So they understood when I couldn't get there and they knew their biggest fan was sitting in the stands with them anyway. You know, uh, their mama. So, so they were, it was, it was great. They, they were, they understood. Most of their growing up years, like participating things, we happened to be in the NFL at that time. That 
schedule is very different from a college schedule because many of their games are played on Friday and Saturday when they were the kids. And it just so happened, those are great. Friday is they get off early in pro football. He was at every like high school football game. And then Saturday, same thing. He was available after he had his meetings in the morning. He was there at a ball game. So that schedule works beautifully with us. Now, when he became a head coach in college football, he was very sensitive to his younger assistants that had that same situation. They knew they could come to him and say, hey, can we go do so-and-so, you know? Yeah, Mariah's having a a basketball game. Yeah, And, and and he was very easy and approachable about that because he understood it. And also, he also included them to come to the facility, bring their kids to the facility. That was home, sort of. Second home, come play around, be there, be involved. And so that was a great thing too. People don't understand how much time that there is involved for coaching. Um, sometimes they'll say, well, they just play the game on Saturday or Sunday. Oh, right. Do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we just show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just show up. But um, it is kind of crazy. And, you know, different organizations do it. They have different demands on time for what the expectations of, staff are our way after probably following example of like we said earlier ken hatfield during college football yes yeah Lori, did you ever feel like you know you mentioned when you had your first new baby and you were like oh my gosh he's never home Um, did that feel lonely to you how did you deal with that you know it's so long ago yes and fortunately you forget about that Probably I had my moments when um, that because I had two children during football season of all things. I had both of my children during football season. Um, Mom came for a week with both of them and then waved goodbye. And there I was. But um, no, I have forgotten. I've always enjoyed what can his profession and kind of understood it. I don't know why, but I just, and you know, it didn't occur to me and, and not everyone makes it in this profession. It's not for every team, husband and wife to do what this profession requires. You know, I just seem to enjoy it. And, you know, I loved him (laughs) and I wanted, you know, to do what needed to be done. And, and so Ivy, I've probably forgotten a lot of that maybe loneliness and um but we had children that grew were healthy, minor complications. I do remember one incident, yeah. We had a child in the hospital during football season, or maybe it was recruiting season, that was ill for ten days and that was difficult for him to manu- you know, handle that situation. But we were fortunate with our kids and and have many issues that you know made me feel like where is he I need him here right now yeah right but overall when you look back on it in like your hindsight you're like it was it was worth it it, it wasn't was worth I, it. I yeah right and you had all the grace to get through the hard moments right you know and and I know he always I mean, we prayed about jobs. We prayed about situations. Um, there were times when he was on the brink of taking a job and woke up and we had his mother there babysitting to, and he was going to another job. 
and she was had driven I don't know how far 10 hours to babysit because I was going with him to this new situation that he had pretty much agreed to take and woke up that morning and said nope I I'm not going to do it I'm not supposed to God doesn't want me to go there so I just knew his heart that wherever we went he was going to take care of us and he sought God in all the situations this is amazing you don't know how tough this lady is she's she's well i'm starting to pick up on it she's strong, <laughs> she's strong as a mac truck now i loved every minute and you've learned so much from the good times and the bad times you learned so much and um yeah it was worth it that's good you said that was worth it yeah yeah what okay while you're sharing i want you to tell tell us about your tips and tricks, things you think about before you host people. Cause I hear you're like really good at it. That and is- so like, what, what, what do you think about? Well, let me just, it, I have to confess that my husband is one who would have people in the house all the time host. And <laughs> I am the one who is not as comfortable with it. I can make it not fun. And I've, hosting someone like everything has to be perfect I had to get over that because I didn't grow up at home my mom didn't host people at that wasn't something I saw modeled and then he did in his home it was uh, open door um, for people coming in and out so that's something we had to work on I I enjoy it when I do it it doesn't come easy for me. I have to admit. Well, her uh, the thing that's amazing about her, Ivy, is her preparation <laughs> for anybody that comes in is amazing. Yeah. I mean, and and I'm I'm here firsthand to tell you how amazing it is because I'm doing a lot of it. <laughs> and, right. uh, but uh, yeah. uh, but it, it, it she. I mean, she gets games organized for the kids. She gets meals organized. She she really is uh, good at that. She doesn't have the confidence in herself that everybody else has in her. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, don't y'all every, is it every summer, like all of those kids come? And like, how many kids is it? Uh, she's got nine and we got seven. Uh, so 16 nine, 16 children and two, four, six, eight. And they all stay at our lake home. And we have the best time for three days. And we pr- we have a schedule and, and we have traditions and it, it is fabulous. But every year we try to make it a little more interesting and something new. And, um, I'm thinking, this is a secret. We're thinking a little Olympics this summer, maybe. Um <laughs> Yeah, when does this podcast air? Yeah. Just so we don't ruin it for everybody. Oh well, I mean, a couple weeks. Oh, so when? Okay. Well, maybe yeah, we, I can cut that out. No, I don't want it to spoil any. Maybe the kids won't actually listen to the podcast. I don't know. Um, but oh, I just love that. Yeah, uh, we have bingo. That's tradition. Dance that's night. Dance night dance party out on our porch we have oh yeah chick-fil-a one day that we bring in and please mom and chan and i drive back into town and breathe and go and collapse and sleep at home and then we show back up at the lake house the next day at like 10 11 when the kids enjoy our kids 
enjoy each other and they they do and they talk about parenting with each other our children and Leisha they just talk constantly I listen to it all weekend about what do you think about this and with the kids and that so it's a great weekend it's our favorite weekend and I don't think any of our kids we now have a 16 year old he's and he he wouldn't miss it I don't think right I, I think yeah it's just it's just great and Y'all are close enough to like support, like be around, see your grandkids' activities and all that kind of stuff, right? Oh, one lives uh, 800 yards on one side of us, and one lives <laughs> 800 yards on the other side of us. So oh. we go, we go. <laughs> oh, I wasn't picturing that close, but <laughs> yeah, we're 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 in uh, we're we saw Easter Sunday. We saw our one of our grandchildren sing at church and right so get baptized yeah, the week before, we one, of week before one of our grandchildren yeah. got baptized so we get to see everything we do we we're very blessed i love that yeah it's it's great and it's funny because here chan and i are these small town kids from america's georgia that end up married and we end up going all over the country moving our kids about changing, doing all kinds of things. And both of our kids have chosen just to go to one small community and remain there and not have no desire to move. So we look at each other sometimes and go, what do we do? You know, uh, (laughs) they've seen the things they're not, they're good. They've seen all the places. They're going back to the situation we were raised in probably. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask, did you really care if your boys or your grandsons play football? Does that matter to you? Not a, not a, okay. If they want to play, great. If they don't want to play, great. I want them to do something, though. I don't want them to sit around and do nothing. You know, I want them to be involved in something because uh, I've seen too many idle people uh, have problems. So I, I just encourage them to do something. Last question. Well, these are two questions, but okay, Chan, I want you to talk about the things that made Lori a really good mom. She is extremely loving and caring. Tough on them. She was tough on them. And dad not being there 100% of the time, that was good for them. Uh, She had to be tough on them, especially when it's boys. Uh, she had to be strong, and um, she loved me, and that was important for them to see, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and uh, I think the fact that uh, they saw her care about other people uh, was really important. Um, they they saw that she, when they were in school, she wasn't just sitting there watching soap operas and eating popcorn, you know, he was was out uh, involved in the community and and caring about other people. And then when it, when we had the opportunity for family time, he made sure that we got as much as we possibly could. She worked her schedule around making sure that it would fit our, what little time I had. That's so good. That's really good. Okay, now I want to flip that question. Lori, what do you think made Chan a great dad? He's a great dad because he is very consistent. And he is very even-tempered. I have to admit, sometimes I would blow my 
stack a little bit, <laughs> but he's not that way at all. We're, we complement each other very well there. He's very even keeled and, um, and fair, so fair with our boys. And, um, and he just trustworthy, loving, all those things that, you know, you would want in a husband and a father. And I wasn't ooey gooey, but she was, <laughs> you know, she could love on them and stuff. And I, I'm, you know, my dad was a Marine and uh, I grew up and uh, you didn't hug all the time. And I've had to learn to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, I just really grew us up together. Too. Yeah. We're so blessed that he did. And um, because we got married at 20 and 21. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and my parents, you know, were kind of like, OK, but we did. And um, it's worked out beautifully. He's always been very focused. And, and even I knew him in high school. Very focused. One of the guys that, you know, might not want to date in high school, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the guy you want to marry. Just kidding. Yeah. Yes, yes. I was no fun. That's a basic no, way of saying I was no fun. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. I mean, he, but... <laughs> was, he was the athlete in the school. He was the class vice president. You know, all those good things. I don't know. We just click. And yeah, I love this guy. Like I mentioned at the beginning, one of my really good friends from Auburn is Lee. And I first heard about the Gailies when she would talk about how important they were to her. To Lee, the Gailies are those lifelong friends that actually are more like family. So all I knew was they were great people that Lee loved a lot. Well, there was this one weekend in college, or it may have been right after college, that Lee and I, along with some of our other friends, stopped by the Gailies' house because we had some time to kill. And I noticed there was a Dallas Cowboys football or some sort of memorabilia. And I asked, oh, are are the Gailies Cowboys fans? (laughs) which rung a bell to me because I am from Dallas. And Lee said, well, Ivy, he, he coached for them. No, <laughs> hold up. What? So after several years of hearing about these wonderful people, I had no idea he was a coach in the NFL. I called my dad a little later and asked, have you heard of Chan Gailey? He, of course, had. So I, I don't know. I might have been living under a rock to not know him. But in my defense, Lee did not include that detail when talking about them. Because to her, their greatest quality, you know, the the thing that was worth talking about to her friends, is the fact that they are two people who care most about following Jesus and being who he says they are. The fact that Chan had a pretty cool career just wasn't the most important thing. It didn't really need to be mentioned. Their identity was not consumed by that. And I heard them talk about listening to God for all of these big career changes, valuing church and their involvement in it, even when their schedule was crazy, intentionally prioritizing what got to dictate their value when it was talked about in in the public spotlight respecting each other the way that God commands. They cared about their boys and showing them who Jesus is. Their actions showed what mattered most. It's easy for us to be consumed by lots of things 
what we do, how well our career is going, how much money we make, when can we make more, where we live. We want to get into that next house. We want more space. We want updates. Uh, we, we worry about what people think of us, who likes us, who wants to hang out with us. And our kids pick up on those things. Our kids pick up on the things that we really value. And at the end of the day, being a person whose identity is wrapped up in being God's child, when our value is feeling deeply loved by him, being valued by him, listening to him, really, that is the greatest example to our kids. That's what our kids need to see. Uh, uh, Y'all, would you take a minute to rate this podcast in whatever platform you're listening to? Um, You can follow Four Parents on Instagram or Facebook and just share this with a friend. It really, really matters. Like when one of y'all share it, it really matters. So that would help me so much. And thank you for listening. I will talk to you next time.